All right, everyone. Welcome to the Hot Widows Club podcast. My name is Crystal. I'm the hot widow of Eric. With me tonight, I have the beautiful Allie, who is the very hot widow of Ross. Hello. And I have the very hot greeting daughter of Fred this Father's Day. Welcome, Amy. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi, Amy. We are super excited to take a little bit of a different turn on this episode of the Hot Widows Club podcast because it is Father's Day that we are recording. So Amy is here to join us to talk about her loss of her father. So looking forward to hearing your story here in a few minutes. Thank you for having me. And I'm honored to be your first guest that's not um, not a widow, but yeah, definitely grieving the loss of somebody just so, so big in my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a huge loss. Grief comes, grief doesn't just happen to widows. It happens to everyone. So, you know, as we go into today's episode, I want to start off by saying happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. Happy Father's Day to all of our moms out there who are grieving the loss of their husbands. And to the fathers who are grieving the loss of their wives and to anyone who's uh, missing that loving person in their life this Father's Day, we wish you the very best today. Because I was talking to, just briefly chatted with Craig, our guest from last week, this week, and he said that uh, once your spouse passes away, you get both Father's Day and Mother's Day. So mm-hmm. You're both parents. I'm taking over both today. And that was <laughs> the message I sent my kids this morning. Mm-hmm. I said, so I want you to treat me right today. Right, because on Mother's Day, you also get treated right. I feel like Mother's Day and Father's Day is just like you you don't get a break. You you have to turn it on. Exactly. (laughs) You have to be more of a mom or more of a dad than you normally are. It's just, yeah, the expectations are Mm -hmm. off. (laughs) I agree. Like these parent day, whatever they are, they're nothing more than just like an excuse for a parent to, I don't know, get the kids to do the dishes, I guess, in my life. Did you know there was a widow's day in May? So I think it was like May 3rd or May 4th. It was the beginning of May. And I remember (laughs) seeing something on Instagram about like, this isn't happy. Like, why are we (laughs) celebrating this day? Like, I'm pretty sure I remember this every single day of my life. We don't need to be, we don't need a specific day for widows. Like, because what do you say to a widow? Like, oh, happy Widow's happy Day. Widow's day. <laughs> I would say, get fucked. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, who created this day? Right. Anyways, just on that topic. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. These days are ridiculous. So I will say, let's see, it's 1221 in Omaha, Nebraska, and I haven't cried yet. So I'm going to go with a big old win for that. Mm. I think my kids haven't made me mad enough to cry yet. They haven't stressed me out. So that's yeah, good. That's good. I was playing catch with Benny this morning. Amy has two young boys too, so she knows what it's like with the boys. So they wake up first thing in the morning and they want to like do something physical. Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't you want to drink coffee and check out Instagram, dude? Like that's what <laughs> no. My boys have started saying, bring the coffee outside, mom. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was doing. I was hiding from him outside drinking my coffee and I hear him yelling throughout the house, mom, mom, where are you? He wanted to play catch first thing this morning. So... I was up playing catch with him and he, I was also grilling chicken because I meal prep on Sundays and I start first thing in the morning because it takes me all day to prep my meals for the week. And he, he comes out and he's like, well, let's play catch and I'm playing catch with him. And he looks up, he goes, mom, there's a cardinal in the tree. I think it's dad. Hmm. And of course I'm like, I'm sure it is. He's watching over us. He knows that he would want me to be playing catch with you on father's day. And I'm sure that he's just there cheering us on right now. And Ben goes, this is the best moment ever. I don't ever want to forget it. Oh, <laughs> I know. And so I survived that without crying. Like last year, the year before, whew, 
I would have been a puddle, but here I am getting stronger every day. So grateful for that journey. That's awesome. Can't say that for myself. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, how's your Father's Day been? Well, it started out last, I would say this week. So Hank is in at Montessori. And when they're in preschool, they always do projects for, you know, they create, they make something for Mother's Day, Father's Day, whatever. And um, the teacher messaged me, I don't know when it was, like Tuesday or Wednesday and said, hey, just to give you the heads up, we're going to be making Father's Day gifts for our daddies. Do you want Hank to participate? And I said, I, I just instantly it broke my heart because why would he not participate? Mm-hmm. He still has a daddy. And I never want him to feel like he can't be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So I said, absolutely, please include him. Always include him in everything. Right. Um, and he's very open about talking about his daddy. He's not it's not something he shies away. He actually enjoys talking about his dad. And so I'm always like, please encourage that. So anyways, they made cards like out of their handprints and Hank was so is so proud of this card that he made. Oh. And he brought it home Friday and he said, Mom, can we take it to the cemetery on Friday or on Sunday? And I said, Yeah, absolutely. We'll show daddy. Mm-hmm. And so it started that. It's like, why do my kids have to be almost like treated differently or thought about differently just because their dad is not here on earth. And that just sickens me. And I I just don't want to ever feel like my kids have to be treated differently for that. That made me cry, obviously. And um, just seeing Hank's like excitement about this card. And so we're going to do that today. Um, After we record, um, Hank has a t-ball game and then we're going to go to the cemetery and we're going to bring our cards Gus also made him a card. Oh, that's sweet. And wrote it out. And, um, you know, it just, it's, this is our life. And we, we always still have our dad here. Anyways, so that started off my days. Hanky and Gus here are at the studio here with us. So they're waving. Um, <laughs> Help me with my Capri Sun straw, he says. <laughs> um, so my days usually start out with Keepy Uppy. I don't know if you know what that is, Amy, but it's from the show Bluey. My kids love Bluey. And I also love Bluey, but I cannot watch it. It's so hard for me to watch Bluey because it's so focused on the dad in that show. Mm -hmm. And like the dad is kind of the star. But anyways, they play this game on that show of keepy uppy where you take a balloon and you have to keep it off the ground. Right. And so my, of course, my day this morning started with Hank jumping on my bed saying, let's play keepy uppy. So he's like, trying to keep this balloon up off my bed. And I'm just like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the day. But anyways, that's awesome. Love that story. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, before we started the show was telling us how her boys were processing Father's Day this morning. So Amy, you share with me what, what did you say it was Roy said to you this morning? Oh, actually wasn't, it wasn't today. Oh, okay. It was just randomly last week. He just, uh, we were talking about, you know, cause I, I like to talk about my dad. Um, it's the way that I keep him alive, that, mm-hmm. that they know that they have a grandpa Fred that's not here on earth. And that a lot of the things that their mommy teaches them comes from, you know, f- from my dad. And Roy just sometimes will just look up at me out of the blue and just say, but your dad's dead. Mm. I'm like, yeah, my dad, my dad is dead because I think he's still trying to figure out like what a grandpa is, what an aunt and an uncle is like understanding the whole family tree thing. And so mm-hmm. like this morning he got me confused with being his sister and I'm like, no, I'm your mom. <laughs> um, I have a sister, which is aunt Kristen. It's just, I mean, kids are the way that, yeah, you guys talk about it all the time on this podcast is just the, the innocent and pure and simple way that kids 
experience death. It's not how, how adults experience it, where to me, it feels like a, such a gut punch to be like, mm-hmm. your dad's dead. And to him, it's just, he's, he's dead. Right. Things are alive or they're not. That's interesting. That is, um, I mean, I definitely have, like, I've kind of lived that concept, but to hear you put it that way, like things are either alive or they're dead. Like to a kid, there's no nothing more that really kind of goes into that. Yeah. And to us, you know, the way that we make meaning out of somebody, somebody's life that is no longer is that we're always looking for ways to keep them alive and to kind of like, um, keep them in this space in between Mm -hmm. where they're not like, well, they're not physically here, but emotionally and spiritually they're here, you know, doesn't matter what your religion is or not religious or anything. It's, it's, we're trying to create meaning and still weave those people into their life, even though they're not, not here anymore. So you know, that's how we raise our kids. And we hope that as they grow and mature, that things aren't so binary for them, that just because they're not here doesn't mean they're not actually here. Like Mm -hmm. they can be here through our actions, through the way that we treat others, through the choices that we make in our lives Mm -hmm. and things like that. I think that's the one thing that keeps me up at night in this widowhood journey. Like the snapshot of today is, am I fucking up these kids? Like, am I making the right choices? Am I role modeling the right things? Am I doing enough to show them that when adversity hits you across the face, you don't crumble, you process, you exist, you manage, you move forward, but you don't, in my mind, what I don't want to do is ever let my children believe that we are defined by the fact that my mom lost her husband and I lost my dad. And I think I hope my hope I'm praying for the future that in the, like my kid's life, that they truly grow up thinking we can handle whatever life throws in front of us, because whether you like it or not, dick punches are coming, right? You are going to have adversity hit you and you have to be able to manage through it. If you can't, it's going to be an unfortunate life. And I'm hopeful that like you talked about, like weaving the adversity in and out of really positive things in our lives that we can formulate a nice, well-rounded and developed child that turns into a good human being. For sure. I mean, your kids have experienced that adversity from a very young age. And I was pretty lucky that I was 24 when I lost Mm -hmm. my dad. So I wasn't, I wasn't a child looking back now. I was like, oh yeah, I was a kid, like 24. Mm -hmm. Like I was like newly married, like just moved out of the house and this was to my first husband and I was very much still making like childlike decisions, like Mm -hmm. just very young. And I was lucky that I had gone 24 years without ever having to experience real hardship. Now there was childhood trauma that, you know, that's another story that I had, but, but something really big, like losing your dad or watching Mm -hmm. somebody close to you battle cancer. It's just a lens. Like the picture doesn't change. It's just like, kind of like a lens covers and colors your world a little differently. And those lenses shift in and all your life, you have a different lens covering this picture of, of your reality. And it's almost becomes like a rainbow. Like you experience grief, you see things differently than people who have not experienced real grief before. And it allows you to be more empathetic. It allows you to experience more joy. Like you can't experience the height of joy without this depth of sadness and grief. I mean, mm-hmm. it just creates a more dynamic life experience as sad as it is while you're going through it. It is just vital. It's the human experience, right? We're so lucky to have. <laughs> we are lucky so to lucky. have it, right? I mean, I love that, you know, that height of the happiness and the depth of your grief and how do those levers push and pull against one another? And how do you, you know, process through that? 
we've all been on different journeys, right? And we've seen so many different widows and friends who've lost someone kind of navigating that depth. Mm-hmm. How do you get out of it, right? Before we go too far, I got to do a quick shout out for you guys for the Steel House in Omaha. Have you guys been to that venue yet? No. I wanted to see the killers so bad. Oh. I waited to get to, I waited too long to get tickets. I do like the killers a lot. A ton. And I had thought about the killers, but I, like you, did not get tickets in time. But I did see Counting Crows there. So they were freaking amazing. I loved it. That venue is badass. It was the perfect old lady show. Started at eight, done by 930, home and in bed by 10. It was a blast, but it's the coolest venue. So local people, if you haven't had a chance to get out and check out the Steel House yet, get down there. It's cool. Find yourself immersed in badass music. I think that's a big piece of the healing journey too, is finding that that music, being on that music path and journey. So I need to give that shout out before we go too far into tonight's episode. <laughs> I'll give us a weather update. Let's see. Well, it's, we're at the College Rule Series. Like the College Rule Series is starting. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it's, the traffic is crazy down here. We're, mm-hmm. we're recording. We're in Dingerville. <laughs> Apparently in Dingerville. <laughs> ben always tells me he thinks he's going to hit a dinger before every game. I think I'm going to hit a dinger know. today. Gus says bomber. I'm going to hit a bomber today. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, you guys, what's a dinger? It's a home run. <laughs> like a home run. Yeah, or like a big hit. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Amy's going to tell you later, she's a landscaping gal, so not the uh, baseball girl. <laughs> no, no. I love what you do. I absolutely am enamored by it. Please go into that, Amy, because yes, I think it's fascinating. I do too. But the weather. Okay, let's see. So it's hot, humid. It's rained a little bit since we've recorded last Mm -hmm. Um, today. I don't know what the high is. I feel like it was mild this morning. 86. 86. Okay, I was going to say. Thank you, Amy. It's a good summer day. It is a good summer day. Amy has a very cute outfit on. She does, darling. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Amy's as cute as they come. So Uh this is going to be a great episode. There's a lot of grief in this world, right? It's not just about loss of someone, but there are lots of events that cause someone to relive grief moments that happen. So as you guys are meeting people in this world, as you are wondering why humans behave the way that they behave or that people aren't who they are, that you always know in those moments, I've been reflecting a lot on that. And just make sure you're giving people that grace. It's a lot of what we talked about last time. I think I've learned so much in my journey that when people do certain things or behave certain ways, they're grieving something, um, whether it's, you know, friendship, life, major, major events that aren't necessarily lost, but they are very major things. Love those humans because um, they need that too. Even if they're not at their best, love them no matter what. And there's a lot going on behind closed doors that people don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've learned that the last couple of weeks that, you know, there's things that you just don't know what's going on in somebody's life because they might not feel comfortable sharing it. Just be kind to everyone. Yes. Because even though there might be somebody who may be coming off crabby or not in a good mood, there's probably a reason for that. Just treat everyone with kindness. I agree. Be the queen of nice. Remember the song? <laughs> the queen of nice. So do your kids watch Big City Greens? No. Oh, gosh. You need to let them watch. Maybe. I don't know. How old are the boys? Four and seven. Yeah. They're probably a little young for Big City Greens. But there's my favorite little girl on there. Her name is Tilly Green. She sings a song called The Queen of Nice. And it's all about being kind. So she's my spirit animal. I like that. <laughs> yeah. What would the equivalent be for boys? The King of Kindness? Maybe. King, yeah. Kings of Kindness. Yeah. Like that. That band name. Yeah. Band name. <laughs> Band name. <laughs> 
Amy, I want to kind of jump into your story a little bit before we jump into your story. I'll share with you too. I think maybe I've, sh- I don't know if I've ever really shared it on here, Allie, but my, I also lost my mom. And so I just had my dad and my stepmom, who's wonderful, but I lost my mom in 2008. So Eric and I got married in August of 2008. And in October of 08, I lost my mom. And so Eric and I got married in August of 08, went on our honeymoon, got pregnant on our honeymoon. We could tell Amelia she was made in Mexico. And then we came back. My mom passed away in October of 08. So navigated kind of my first child. And like like you, I was 26 when that happened. So maybe maybe we can connect on some stories here today. So Sorry to hear that. That's okay. That is a roller coaster of a year. That it is, is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move to you, babe. <laughs> what do you do got? So Let's do it. T- start by telling us, you know, a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So like I said, I was 24 years old when my dad was diagnosed with liver cancer. Mm-hmm. So this came as a huge surprise to us. And I would find out later that the reason my dad had liver cancer was because he had hepatitis C. And I would find out years later why he had hepatitis C. My dad kept a lot of secrets from us. He was not proud of his childhood, very, a very private person, dealt with mental health issues most of my life, most of his life, a lot of depression. Despite all of that, my dad was a very present father when he could be. You know, now that I'm a, a parent and a parent who also struggles with mental health issues, I have an enormous amount of empathy for what my dad must have been going through living with severe depression and also trying to be there for his daughters and my mom essentially trying to be a single parent at times because my dad was not able to function. A few years after he passed, they came out with a hepatitis C cure. So that was great. A little too late, but I'm happy for those who have a treatment option now for Mm -hmm. that. It's a blessing. Yeah. So um, I was 24 when he was diagnosed and that was in November. And so I would say Every cancer journey is different. I would say his was pretty brief, thankfully. Like he had severe back pain. They found a tumor about the size of a softball. And this was like right before Christmas that he told us. And I just remember sitting on the couch when he told me and just being completely frozen. I like I didn't I didn't know what to say. I had no experience with cancer. Like cancer was something that like other people dealt with. It was nowhere close in my family. And so I didn't even know what questions to ask. I was just shocked. And and like in the back of my mind, I was like, how much longer do you have to live? But I just couldn't even ask it. I was just so frozen and shocked that I I didn't know what to say. And I know that kind of in the back of our minds that Christmas, we were like, is this going to be dad's last Christmas? Cause he seems fine. Like he he's in pain, but he's fine and he looks fine and acts fine. And I want to say it was a little bit after Christmas, I might be getting my dates wrong is when he started ra- radiation treatment. Cause the tumor was too large to operate on. So at UNMC, they were trying some experimental radiation treatment where they'd like put that bead right next to the tumor. Um, they like flew doctors in from California to do kind of like a um, somewhat experimental new method of, of um, radiation. And essentially it, it fried the good parts of his liver. Like it was too powerful. His liver was toast and things just rapidly declined, like just so fast. And he he died July of the next year. Okay. And that was 2011. So it just all happened really fast. And I was telling Allie about this yesterday. I was like, I feel like a lot of the stories that you hear about families going through a cancer journey together is that it brings everybody together. And 
everybody loves each other and spends more time together and understands what truly is important and all of that. And that was not my experience. After he died, we um, formed a Relay for Life team and we're just surrounded with all these big, happy families and a lot of success stories, a lot of people who had fought cancer and they won the battle and now they're like raising money and they had like these hundred people teams. And, and then there's just my family, my broken small family who had just grieved, you know, just were mourning the loss of my dad. His treatment didn't work and fight as he, as he tried, he just, he couldn't. And something that I want to talk about today is I guess not regrets, but things that I wish would have been different. And as a 24 year old, you know, it was a, I was an adult and I had my own husband and household, but my mom was largely in charge of all the treatment and the appointments. And I feel like my mom tried really hard to protect me. And I had very little information about what, what my dad's prognosis truly was or what they were doing. And I just felt like it was in the dark a lot. I felt out of control. I felt like, like I had no idea how long, much longer I had left with my dad and I think my sister felt the same way. I have an older sister. And when we felt that lack of control, we were just angry at each other all the time. We just mm. took this, we just tried to control each other. We tried to control how much time we think you should be spending with dad and, and you should take him to this appointment and you shouldn't be at work. You should be with dad. And there were just so many expectations flying around because we were all independent adults living our own lives. Yet mm -hmm. we have this one man that we love who is just slipping from our grasp. And I also just, you know, wasn't super happy with the way that UNMC was handling the case. And there just seemed to be a lot of waiting, a lot of wait lists, a lot of like, yeah, well, we're not going to be able to do that treatment for another two weeks. And it's like two weeks. Like, that's a long time. Like, this is my dad. And it's so hard it in that advocate journey. Like a, yeah, mm -hmm. it just kind of, we felt like numbers. So that was really hard. And I think I had been, had I been older, I would have been a, more a part of those conversations and I would have known how to be there for my dad. I mean, I think about the way that I am today. I could have been there for my dad in such a different capacity. However, had my dad not died, it would not have become the person that I am today. Like his death was a real turning point for me. He died when I was 24 and I was in a very unhappy marriage. When I was 25, I got a divorce and decided to seek treatment for an eating disorder that I had had for eight years. I mean, I did some scary, scary shit in that year following his death because mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, like my dad's life just ended and it just felt like that. Like it just felt mm -hmm. like it, he went from just being here and being fine to just being gone. And I'm like, that could be me any day. And so it just accelerated just the pace at which I was able to make decisions that were going to steer the course of my life. And I was like, I got to get out of this marriage. Like it's not going anywhere. I need to get help. I need to go to therapy. And through my divorce, I would have never met my husband, Jeff, who Jeff introduced me to the most amazing form of therapy that I've ever gone through called dialectical behavioral therapy. It's called DBT. I mm -hmm. highly recommend it. I think it can benefit literally anyone. What is it, Amy? Can you describe yeah, it? Yeah. So DBT therapy um, has, I believe, three components. So one is interpersonal skills. One is emotion regulation. And the other one is, mm, I'm drawing a blank. But it teaches you skills. It's like, instead of just talk therapy, like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. it's DBT. You learn about the dialectic. Like you learn about like the two sides of a coin and 
you just learn tools for how to regulate emotions, how to have better relationships, just completely life-changing for me. And Jeff and I have been, you know, in and out of DBT therapy for 10 years together. It's the basis for the emotional health of our family, for our business that we run together. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, had my dad not died, I would have never done any of that. Like I would probably still be with my, that other guy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my my ex-husband. And my life is so wonderful right now. And I'm just so, I love everything about my life. My dad's not in it, but it's taken me all these years to see these moments of devastation do really have silver linings. I want so badly for my dad to see my life the way that it is because he'd be so proud of me, but he can't. But my life wouldn't be this if he were still here. I'm certain of it. Do you believe that he did this for you? You know, like death happens, right? I don't want to say you can't control it because there's certain things in certain situations you can control and you cannot control, but nobody wants to necessarily die, right? And so he couldn't control that piece of it. But from wherever he is in this world, do you think that the cool things that you've experienced to put you where you are today, that he's a part of that? That's a really good question. I really struggled with like afterlife um, after he died, Mm -hmm. read some books and, you know, I'd kind of been in and out of my Christianity Mm -hmm. around that time. And and much like you guys probably have struggled, like if God is so great, then why, why would he put people through this? Like, this is Mm -hmm. so ugly. This is so painful. Why could he just sit back and let this happen? Like, and so I really struggled with that. And I do remember, you know, the morning that my dad died and I sat by his bedside and I laid my head on his chest and I said, I said, did you make it dad? Did you make it to heaven? (laughs) Because I think that's where he wanted to go. And I think that my dad had a lot of regrets in life that he just weren't, weren't proud of. Lot of things that he didn't want my my sister and I to know because you know you want your kids to be proud of you and he kept a lot of secrets from us and I think today as a, a true grown-up I would love to know some of those secrets because we all have them like we right. all do things we're not proud of but that's how we teach our children is by sharing our mistakes and talking about them but I don't know if my dad made it to heaven and I don't know if he has a hand a hand in it but I know that everything that I do that, you know, feels good and that it's successful and that impacts other people in a positive way. I'm like, no doubt. My dad is just in me. He's just in my spirit. And I hope you guys know that like about your kids. And I'm sure you see that all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when Gus is like out there just killing it Mm -hmm. at a soccer game that like Mm -hmm. that is just, my gosh, Ross is just beaming down on them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like for me, I believe and when you're telling your story, I am loving the story, but the way that I believe and I process is that maybe I haven't accepted that Eric's gone, but I believe, I do believe he's here. I believe his presence is near me. Me too. I know he died. I watched them take him away. I know where his remains are, but I never believe he's left me. Mm-hmm. And so that is what puts me at ease. When I hear your story, it makes me feel like he's because of his regrets or because of his situation, he's pulling these levers for you. He's pulling them for your kids. He's pulling them for your sister, too. Yeah. Like cognitively, do I want to believe that's true? Maybe not. But like I pay attention to the way that my body feels 
when you say that and like, what color is it? And like, what does it feel like in my body? And it feels like fullness and light Uh and my body like, you know, becomes lighter. Mm -hmm. And I, so yeah, maybe that's, that is what I believe. I don't know. I don't know what I believe either. I'm not a very religious person. I have all the foundations of religion and, and I believe there's a place for that in this world. But personally, I have a hard time believing that any one person is also powerful, right? But I believe there's a universe of power up there that helps us to get through. And the universe loves us and it also hates us. And many different feelings and emotions that the universe tosses out there based on the energy we put into the world. One thing with me, I didn't ever realize before until this journey was how much a person's presence affected a relationship. And I never put so much presence on a personal energy that a person exudes. And so the minute you sat down and opened your mouth, I just felt this beautiful energy coming from you, which I always do. Every time I get a chance to be around you, I feel that way. And I know you you light up the room and I love that about you. Thanks, Crystal. And yeah. so that maybe there's a possibility that that's your dad pulling, pulling those levers. I don't know. I don't know how you were before. I didn't know you when you were 24, but I think that's pretty cool. Thanks. There's one story that I wanted to tell. I I was telling Crystal before we recorded, I took so many notes. Like after Allie asked me to be on the show, I like I write. That's how I process. And so I just like anytime something came up, I like open my notes app and just get it all out. And I'm like, am I gonna get through everything that I want to talk about? I'm gonna make all my points. I don't think we will, but there's one story that I want to tell because I think something that I wanted to talk about today was like how watching my sister grieve and how I watching my mom grieve and how I grieved were so completely different. And as just a 24 year old, I didn't know that I'd never been through that. And so I wasn't ever told the message like, Hey, FYI, people grieve differently. (laughs) So the way that your sister is going to, is going to process all this is going to look different from yours. And that's not wrong. And your way isn't wrong either. And I wish that I had had somebody that like gave me that permission to grieve and process how I wanted to, and also just mind my own business, like let people do what they, they need to do. So the story that I wanted to tell was, I would say it was a few weeks before uh, my dad passed away. He had been transferred into a nursing facility. Um, he, he had dementia at that point because his liver was just not functioning anymore. And so that caused dementia, which was very sad. And things just kind of started unraveling pretty quickly. And lost his memory. And and that, that was very traumatic. Um, people who are dealing with a loved one experiencing dementia, I, I feel for you. That was um, shocking, completely shocking. Had no idea that was going to be a part of our journey. That was probably the saddest part was the dementia. Watching my dad live in terror, call me in the middle of the night, leaving me voicemails that, you know, his nursing staff is abusing him and locking him in a dungeon and come get me out, Amy, come get me out really, really traumatic um, that I couldn't help him. And I didn't know how to help him. A few weeks before he entered nursing, a nursing facility, and I was participating in the Pinewood Bowl musical. So I used to live in Lincoln and every summer the kids put on this musical production and it has a live orchestra. Well, I was a flute player. Um, a flautist. A flautist. That was you my f- and Lizzo. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would love to see Lizzo. I'm so sad that I missed her oh, concert. No. Yeah. So um, I was a flautist. And so I had the opportunity to play in the live pit orchestra for the Wizard of Oz. The hardest piece of music I've ever played in my career. And I was, I like played music in college. Anyway, it was a really cool opportunity. And I was telling my dad um, when I was visiting him one day, I said, you know, I'm really excited Dad. I get to play in the orchestra. 
And he like, I, I know he understood what I was saying, but like at that point he was already getting me confused with my sister, like didn't always mm-hmm. call me by the right name. And he kind of was like mumbling and he mumbled something to me and then said something about like, there's going to be a standing ovation. I was like, oh, thanks dad. Like, that's really sweet. And so that involved me going to practice every night. Like there were evenings where I was like, should I be spending time with my dad or should I be going to practice? Because it was like every night for like two or three weeks to prepare for the show. But this is like something that made me really happy and he would have known that. So I'm like trying Mm -hmm. to justify it. Like he would want you to go do the thing that makes you the most happy. And also just being around somebody with that severe of dementia was really hard. Like I said, he didn't, he didn't even know who I was sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, should I really like, is this really time well spent? Because it just makes me really sad. It's really depressing. It's, it's draining. So anyway, I chose to go to the practices. I went to the practices and he died on the second night of performance. So I was there for the first night, went back, spent that night with him and he was in hospice at mm-hmm. that point. And he passed away. And then the next Like that day, I was like, I have a choice to make. Like, do I spend this time with my family? Like my dad's gone. He's gone. Do I need to sit here or do I go, do I go to that performance? And I chose to go to the performance. And so it was just surreal sitting there, you know, playing this musical and all these lights and happy people and dancing. And I'm just like sitting there playing my flute. Like, well, my dad just died. He's gone. And nobody really knew, you know, like I was like crying in between songs and I'm sure people are like, what's up with that chick? Like this, this musical isn't that moving (laughs) Wizard of Oz. And anyway, the show ended and I can kind of see like from down in the pit, you can kind of like see the audience up above you and, and the show ends and the lights are like shining and I look up and everybody just stands up and there's just this standing ovation. Oh my God, Amy, I have chills. (laughs) (sighs) I'm just like. Yeah. Amy, he's pulling the yeah, levers, he's pulling babe. The levers. He's yeah. doing that. Maybe still today. For sure today. For sure today. Yeah. I guarantee yeah. you. Eric is pulling levers for me today. What about you? Rossi's still pulling your levers? I don't know. What do you think? I know what you think. <laughs> no, I, I truly don't think Ross has ever left. Yeah. I do. Well, there's that binary thing that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you're alive or you're not. But I, I just think that the human experience is just so, you know, like our, our minds and our hearts are capable of experiencing something in between. Mm-hmm. They're is. still here. They're still pulling those levers. I love that. As an adult, I, you know, I, I grew up in a very scientific family. Like my dad is very into science. He, you know, he's got his own beliefs, but like you said, is that you're either alive or you're not. And that's physically it, but then there's this metaphysical thing. There's this spiritual component to it that is very much so a thing. And I think that when you get to experience that and when you recognize that spirituality and not necessarily confusing spirituality and Christianity, I don't, I don't want to impede on anyone's beliefs through this podcast, but in my mind, there's a little bit of a difference between spirituality and Christianity because there's some in between there. I don't know. Yeah. Doing a, I'm doing an in-between dance that you guys can't see right now. You want to get a video out? Sure. <laughs> First of all, I'm you guys need it. to know that Amy is an amazing dancer. <laughs> Let's do it at the same time, Amy. Ready? We'll do it for Ali's video. It's an in-between. <laughs> good, Amy. She's so good. Yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. I've gotten to experience a couple of events with Amy, and it is always a blast. 
Always. I need, I need more opportunities in life to just let loose like that. Like I felt really safe to let loose. I don't get that very much. Like I, you know, I own a business. I have kids. Like, I feel like you have to like, you know, like stay within the lines and color inside those lines. uh, Right. (laughs) That's the way I felt when, um, when Eric died, like I'm a, I'm the director of HR, right? Like that's a big stay in the lines type job. And after Eric died, before I went into HR, that's not at all what I was, color inside the lines. I was mm. scribble all over the place, go into this, and then Eric dies. And now I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna let loose a little bit. I'm going to live in between. <laughs> Ellie's laughing at me. But I I'm proud it. of you. I think that's great. I love letting loose. It's fun. Yeah. It makes you feel good. It's the highs and lows. The highs and lows are so hard with life, though, right? Yeah, I think it, the part that I like is that you feel comfortable you know, so it's hard to find people that you feel mm-hmm. 100% comfortable with, mm-hmm. with your emotions. So coming on here is really special to us. So thank you, Amy, for coming on and sharing your experience and sharing your grief. Because mm-hmm. as you said about your sister, everybody's journey is different. And we never want to put grief in a box because it's different. And we should just accept how other people are grieving because that's the right way for them. And it's not, you know, this podcast, sure, it started out as us, Crystal and I as widows, and we've had widowers on, but it's grief is everywhere. I'm sure you went through grief with your divorce. Like there's just Absolutely. grief everywhere. And mm-hmm. so I just appreciate you coming on here and being a part of my life. So Amy is one of my very best friends and we've gone through a lot together. So our boys are the same age. I'll never forget. So Amy had Miles, I think like two months before Gus, close to that. Mm -hmm. And as you all know that our mothers or fathers, that first child is probably the hardest adjustment because you just, you don't know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. right? And I always say that going to two is easier for me than the first one. And so I remember Amy would come over after I had Gus because I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, trying to figure out breastfeeding. And anyways, where I'm going with this is that we have gone through some really hard things just in life, normal day-to-day life stuff. I've watched Amy and Jeff explode their business and it's been really amazing. So Amy and Jeff are like really cool business people, but also just really cool people in life. And so I just feel really lucky and blessed that I have you in my life. So thank you for coming on here, for sharing your journey and for just being there and feeling comfortable with us. Yeah, well- you guys set the stage for that. I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. It's just setting the stage for other people to come out with these really hard feelings and talk about them. And mm-hmm. gosh, when I was going through this uh, 11 years ago with my dad, it certainly was not, you know, podcasts weren't even a thing, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a thing to talk about grief. It no. just wasn't. Yeah. You just um, shut it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the way that you said that you make it feel safe to go out and to let loose and to be in those environments. And that's what we all a part of the podcast is that this is a safe space to explore those emotions Mm -hmm. and to release that and to find hope and to find peace and to find feelings and emotions. But safe is a really cool place to be. I know we've been in situations, the three of us together, where I know they've been emotional, where we've talked about grief. I remember last year at, um, at your birthday, we were talking about your dad. I recall that specifically. And then even this year, when we were talking about other very other things, like it was very safe to have a very comfortable conversation. And I think those are your people to surround yourself with. Right. The ones that make you feel safe all the time. Like my alley love. Yeah. 
My crystal love. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's see. Anything else for today's episode of the HWCP? No, I do. <gasps> Shout out Amy's business. Yeah, Amy, you you talk. Tell about us what yeah. do you tell, tell us. What you do? What you yeah. and Jeff do? I'm an arborist. So <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, my husband, he started his work in arbor culture 18, 19 years ago. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, the the business is Arbor Aesthetics Tree Service here in Omaha. We're about the second largest tree service in Nebraska, but we call ourselves the tree service with the soul. There are a lot of tree services out there that are kind of rough and tumble, have very like authoritative <laughs> leadership styles, like people that get into tree work often um, <laughs> don't find themselves there on an easy path. Okay. And so, like I said, like the person that I am today wouldn't have happened had I not had my dad not died. And I went on this, you know, transformational journey of like becoming more emotionally intelligent and, and DBT therapy and making a safe space for our employees to express, you know, emotion and Gosh, that's just so hard to find in a workplace, especially in a blue collar industry. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I work in really blue collar industry too. So yeah. yeah, I, I'm really proud of you guys too. I love hearing, I love watching and seeing more about what you guys are doing. Allie just got the boys up here. Hey Hank. It's Hank. There you are. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Hankers, what are you going to do today? Go hit some baseballs. No. What are you going to do after this, buddy? He's going to hit some baseballs. Can you say happy Father's Day to daddy? Happy Father's Day. Oh, that's Your so sweet nice. boy, Hankers. Gussie, do you want to say something? Hey, say something. <laughs> tell a dad, okay, tell tell a dad a joke. joke. Say, okay. Why did a chicken cross the road? Why? Because he's chicken. Because he's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> what did the sushi say to the V? Because he's trying to chicken. Wasabi. Oh, that's a good one. Why did a dad eat some chickens? <laughs> Why? Because, because he was hungry. Good. Happy Father's Day. Guys, guys, I got to tell you something. I just said happy Father's Day. Oh Boo. Boo. Oh Boo. Boo. Silly. Boy. <laughs> Silly boys. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you, boys, for coming on and sending us a beautiful Father's Day message. Wishing everybody out there a happy Father's Day. Happy College World Series. Check out Amy and Jeff at ArborAesthetics.com. ArborAesthetics.com. Beautiful trees. Exceptional service. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you've heard me on 104.5. <laughs> awesome. You do have a great radio voice. Yeah. And you're in green. You look good yeah. in green. All right, everyone. If anybody has any additional questions for Amy or wants to learn more about the Hot Widows Club podcast, please check us out on our socials. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Hot Widows Club podcast, or you can send us an email at the Hot Widows Club podcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to sign up for the very first inaugural Fairway to Heaven, Ross Bruning and Eric Souser Memorial Golf Tournament. Whoop, whoop. It's going to be a badass event. It's going to be hot, but it's going to be fun. And it's going to be a blast. Live music. Excellent. We need a theme for it. Fairway to heaven. Yeah, like a dress up <laughs> theme. What's if not dressing up as Jesus in July? I'm probably just going to be wearing golf attire. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in July. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Signing off from that Little Club podcast. Good night. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you, Amy. You're welcome. Love Thank you. you for having me. 